Hey there, and happy Thanksgiving to my American friends. I hope you enjoyed binging on those first three episodes. Now we're kicking off our regular schedule with a beautiful soul and fine artist, Becky Bukes. I absolutely adore Becky and her work. And I have to say, this conversation is so, so good. We talk about the power of darkness, trusting your own capacity, what to do with your lows, and much, much more. When I spoke to Becky, she was sipping coffee on her porch and some birds decided to join in on the fun, which I totally love. Enjoy. Welcome to The Unplugged Creative, a podcast that explores the weird, wild, and wonderful things creatives go through to do what they love. I'm your host, Arielle Zadok, and this is the place to be reminded that wherever you are, you're exactly where you're meant to be. back over here, which is great. Cool. So let's get going. Awesome. Welcome to the podcast, Becky. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. Me too. It's been a while. I know it has been a while and you have been really, really, really busy in October. So tell us what you've been up to. October was ridiculous. One, it's been, it was the busiest month I've had in my life in 34 years. So started out with um, hosting a Creative Mornings talk in St. Pete. Then we went straight into Shine Festival, Mural Festival. Then I did Secret Wars at Janice Live. I took over the St. Pete Florida Instagram account for three days and ran around. In between doing my mural, I went and interviewed the You Are Beautiful mural. And I went to go see the open wall, open call wall artist, Sarah Page, Michael Val, uh, Melanie Posner, Justin Wag- Wagger. I always say his name wrong. Um, so that was fun. And then I did three gallery shows in that week as well. One at the Marion Arts Center, one at Soft Water Studios, and then Catalyst at Station House and a charity event for Awareness Against Domestic violence, abuse, also at Station House. Oh my God, I'm exhausted for you. (laughs) (laughs) And Oh, and then a helmet show at St. Pete Vintage Bash at the Hollander, which Juliana does every year. So that was the end and then celebrated on Sunday. So I've now, it is, I don't know what day it is. I believe it might be Tuesday. I think it's Wednesday. I I know the feeling though, when you get off of a big project. (laughs) Right. But it's now, um, and then I have a full-time job as well at, um, in Tampa. So it was just fun to see how, I know now how cra- how busy I can get. And I know also the effects of it. So um, that learning has happened and I'm now going to just recover. <laughs> yes, in full-on recovery mode. So what have been some of those effects from that? Because I'm sure you were definitely on a high of all of these amazing things going on. Oh. But there must have been lows as well. Major lows, major highs. You know, it's always very exciting to take on these projects. And all these exciting projects were happening at the same time. And it's very difficult for me to say no to things, especially when it concerns anything that I can either teach or be creative or offer my skill set to benefit whoever's around. So some lows were just lack of sleep, pushing myself to meet the deadline. Shine uh, Festival, I, I think, you know, is shorter than the previous year's. So there were major pressures there. And then, yeah, just the physical result of what what you go through. And then just trying to maintain a sense of sanity to the public, (laughs) you know, because you you just are in a different space and nobody really understands that. Nobody can feel that for you. And then just having to like maintain this, you know, going through these physical, emotional, uh, psychological extremes. I'm aware of, you know, having a conversation and not, and not looking like you haven't slept in three days or not sounding like you haven't slept in three days so that you can still have a human conversation that sort of the other person can make sense of what you're saying. So then there's, you know, so those were lows of just being exhausted. But I also enjoy that because it makes me learn about my abilities as a human and, you know, how far I can push past boundaries. But I also am very aware of the safe zone, which is something I've I've recently discovered. I definitely am now more aware of my safe zone and I'm not out to prove that I can do these things at 100 miles an hour anymore to myself. I'm aware, I respect what I'm able to do, but now I have to also look after myself. You know, hundred percent. 
And I think when we're in the midst of all that stuff, there's so much energy and there's so much drive because it's like, you know, when you're on a film as well and you're working 18 hours a day and you're going and you're going and you're going and and you love what you're doing, but you're exhausted. And for me, I'm kind of the face and the voice of the crew. So it's like, got to just keep going and going and be that energy. And for you, so just to to back up and say what Shine Festival is, because what I was going to say is that you become somewhat of a celebrity during that time. So Shine Festival in St. Petersburg, Florida is where they invite different muralists to come and literally paint the town. They have maybe 14 to 16 of you. I don't know. There there seems to be a lot every year. We had 17 new murals this year um, that have been added to our outdoor gallery here in St. Petersburg with artists from around the world, including Nomad Clan from UK. We had Baylin from Spain. We had Lars uh, Look the Weird from Germany. And then some uh, national artists from Georgia, um, you know, I, I could name them all, but it's a really beautiful time of year here in St. Petersburg. And we get all this fantastic talent that comes here. And you're quite right. Each one of us is under pressure to one, perform and finish the job. And But we're also in a very exciting time when the public are able to access the artists just simply by walking by the mural site and ask questions. And I, you know, I was teaching young girls how to use a spray can. And by the way, I only learned how to use the aerosol can, this mural, because it was my personal goal. And I absolutely love it. My hand is a different shape now, but it was such fun. So you just, you're in this space of, like you said, so much energy, media attention, public attention. Then you've got your your expectations from what you've what you've committed, for example, meeting the deadline. Which is how many days? How many days do you have from the beginning well, to get it done? We officially started this Saturday and we officially it was seven days. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did have a hurricane in the middle of the week. It wasn't really a hurricane, it was a hurricane scare. Uh, it was Hurricane Michael. So Still, though, a full day of rain really sets you back. So it went from seven days to six days, which is a a very short amount of time to create any kind of project. Because as an artist being under pressure like that to create, some people have a block on one day and you simply just don't have any kind of inspiration maybe to paint that day. So I think everyone did an excellent job. I did not finish in six days. It took me about eight, nine days to finish. So I ended up going over my time a little bit at the end, but I wasn't going to just not produce and finish the way I wanted to. I'm very much about fine details, so I didn't mind. But yeah, still, you know, it's a high pressure situation and you, and the adrenaline just kicks in and you just have no choice but to go, go, go. And it's, you wake up and you, if you sleep, you're just ready to <laughs> That's be a very on that lift again. Probably. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. And it's, something I can barely describe using words. You know, the experience itself is just magical. And I'm so excited and look forward to the next outdoor project. So it was great. (laughs) You did this last year as well. And I was actually there and I got to see it and it's amazing. And I love that wall because it is so feminine and beautiful. And your art itself, I think is, it's this, I don't even know how to describe it because it's this mixture of being feminine yet I don't want to say hardcore because that's not it, but there's this mysticism to it. And there's this, God, I don't even have words for it. And that's just how art is. I think I'm not, I'm not good at articulating it, but there's just this, such a beautiful blend to all the art that you do that has this unworldly, unearthly, yet feminine and grounded and just this mixture of dark and light. And I think that's kind Mm. of what the theme of your, your mural this year was. So last year's was really feminine and there was a lot of pink in it and a lot of bright colors. It was also very Florida. And this right. one was very different because there were a lot more um, blacks and whites and golds. Mm-hmm. And obviously you use different mediums. So for you as an experience of the first one and this one, for all those differences and the emotional differences, what were some of those big things that stood out for you for coming into this a second time? Because this second one, I think, is much, much bigger, right? Oh, yes, definitely bigger. Um, last year's festival was a was an independent festival uh, that was run during the Shine Festival. So I was not an, a Shine artist last year, but I was a Shine artist this year. But we were, we were sort of at part of the Shine Festival in our own way. And to, to answer your question, personally, I think... I have, I was able to feel, physically feel my own growth, which I was so grateful for. And um, my confidence level is, has increased. And I think that's good as you grow as a human being, as a creative, as anything. If, you know, the more you practice, the better you feel about it, the more confidence you get. And I really felt very supported 
this year by friends, family, the community. And so that helps with the confidence. And my technique has changed. My medium has changed. The message I feel like has matured compared to the mural I did last year. And that makes me very grateful. And I can't say that it's my doing. I can only say that it's a gift that I've nurtured. And when I say nurtured, I mean, it's a gift that I've been paying towards in the studio and learning techniques and figuring things out. It makes sense for me to feel that it's slightly matured because I'm growing every day as from a child to, you know, to an adult in my creative career. It's a, it's a young career. It's only four or five years old now. So I think this year's mural just made, I felt like an adult when I was painting, not not that I felt like a child last year, but I just felt a lot more uh, like that confidence. I've been paying towards the skills. So it was good to feel that way. I didn't expect to feel that way, but, I, but I'm glad that I did. I love that. So, I love comparing it to feeling like an adult. It's like you've gotten yeah. to the next level where you're like, oh, okay, cool. This is the next phase. This is the older phase. And Right. It does not mean that I was not terrified or intimidated <laughs> by any means. I was absolutely intimidated. I always am with every single thing that I do. And I really, and I think it's important to feel a little, you're anxious. And I, and I, and I think that's good because if I never want to walk into any situation thinking I've already won, you know what I mean? I always want to wonder if I'm going to make it or not, because that's going to determine how hard I work to make it. I pushed harder than I did last year with this mural for sure. I mean, it were literally, I did, I did a 72 stint, 72 hours in the last three days. And I probably had two or three hours rest in between somewhere in between those 72. Like I was, I went for like 12 hours, did a two hour nap then another 12 hours, did a four hour nap. But, but that's how much I wanted to complete the mural and how I was pushed internally to go as far as I can to make it a successful piece because there was a lot more pressure on this mural, you know, being a shine mural. So um, with the international artists sort of just like, "Ah." it was terrifying, but beautifully terrifying, you know, just learning. And what are some of the tools that you've learned over the past year? Or what are some of the things that you've come up against in the past year that has gotten you from your perhaps adolescence to the adulthood that you're in right now? I'm always wanting to get to the next level. Obviously, I know that I have this pending question internally that I don't think I'll ever answer. And so the only way for me to move towards the answer is to continue to evolve, right? So I look at other artists around me and tell me if I'm not answering your question, but I think this is what you're asking. I look at artists that I admire and I see what they're doing and it inspires me and I want to get to that level. My maturity and my growth is because of the dream of being the best version of myself. I feel very obligated to this gift and I feel it would be such a waste if I didn't evolve every day, if I didn't push every day, because then I'd almost feel undeserving of it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, why did I get to be able to do this? And how dare I even consider not giving it 150% because then somebody else should have it and not me. I'm very connected to that spiritually. And I'm always like, if someone had to lend you a lot of money and you're like, thank you so much for all this money or thank you for this car or thank you for paying my college fees, you're very grateful for it. So you want to give it your best. You want to get that A at college because you feel grateful for having been given this opportunity. So I feel very grateful for having been gifted the skill that I have. And I already feel bad that I only, I waited until I was 30 years old before I even discovered it. So I feel like I'm playing catch up. So my relationship with it is very much a grateful relationship that I want to really show how grateful I am by putting the work in. Do you have doubts or dark thoughts or dark moments in there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because at the same time, when I'm looking at people that are artists that are doing exceptionally well and and their work just speaks to me, I kind of, then you kind of go, but how am I ever going to get there? Is it even possible? Do I have what it takes? There's all that. Those, I mean, I just did the talk on chaos and those are the agents of chaos. Those little voices that tell you that you can't do it, that you're not good enough. One of the biggest things that I was intimidated by or insecure about, because I'm a gallery artist and I use oil and I'm, you know, I have the luxury of being in solitude when I'm producing work for shows and for galleries. When you're out in the mural world, you're in the public display and people can watch your work evolve. And my work changes 
changes along the way. You know, I changed my mind about something. And so one of the things that I really wanted to achieve was for as a mural artist, I felt that I should know how to use aerosol. And that's just something that's in my mind. So I set out to achieve that this time. And it was difficult. But I'm so grateful for that because I now feel confident that I have that additional tool under my belt and I'm and I'm able to do it. And that's where that pushing yourself to mature happens. What is it that I'm lacking? Well, I'm lacking. I believe I'm lacking here. Well, how are we going to not lack there? Well, we're going to go for it and we're going to try to use this tool and learn how to use it. It's really just about pushing yourself, self-motivation. Once you achieve one thing, you begin trusting yourself that you can achieve more. It becomes easier. And the self-doubt and those little demons become more, more and more silent because you've shown that you can do it to yourself, not to anybody else. This I don't do this for anybody else, believe it or not, with all the pictures and the media and all that stuff. I do it because I owe my gift this growth. That makes sense. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. You know, it's so easy to let the voices take over and the voices are always bullshit. <laughs> They're never the truth. They're never what reality is. Humans have a survival mechanism and that survival mechanism is to always be aware of the things that are going to cause us danger. But in the modern way that we live today, it doesn't make sense. We don't need that. So our brains, instead of seeing a tiger or a berry or something in our environment that can kill us, it becomes these things in our mind, in our new environments. And those show Absolutely. up in ways that's like, you can't do this. You're not enough. You don't know enough. You don't have enough. You don't deserve mm -hmm. this. All that stuff. And I love your perspective of, okay, well, what am I missing in order to do that? So it's, it's almost like you're giving that voice a chance to, to see through to what maybe could be true in that. Exactly. And the other thing, it, it, and you're right though, Ariel, because the other thing that humans nowadays we're very afraid very easily, okay? Even though things, our environments are not as scary as maybe in the in the old days, you know, when we were living in the wild and whatnot. Now, we, like you said, we create our own realm of fear internally. And one of the things most people are afraid of is something or anything unfamiliar, okay? So it's much more easy to tell yourself you cannot do a thing because you're afraid of failing, maybe, or afraid of proving those voices right, that in fact, you cannot do it. But I've always believed that if you try hard enough, then in that trying is your success. So maybe you're not going to, I might not paint the 16th chapel like Leonardo da Vinci tomorrow, and that might be my goal. But what I'm going to learn in trying to achieve that is more valuable than not trying it at all. Yeah, well, or it's the journey. You, you it's not to, necessarily the destination. Exactly. It's the process. Mm -hmm. And so that to me is very valuable. And did I, I'm never going to achieve the exact thing that I set out to achieve, but I'm certainly going to grow along the way. And I think that that to me is more important than anything else. And now I feel comfortable using air and I'm going to go and paint any any surface I can find to now advance that skill that I've acquired. So you are in a state of perpetual growth, perpetual advancing, and you mustn't stop. I mean, I don't think there's any point to ever stop trying to be better at what it is you love doing. So yeah, if you love it, then yeah. it's exactly your, your love is just wanting to do it and just wanting to explore and having fun right. and enjoying it. Oh, nice. Look at you. You got your own mug. <laughs> that was, a, I don't know how funny that was a Christmas present from a friend. I love it. But yeah, so I think the, there's a lot of darkness that happens in those moments of um, self-doubt. A lot of my work is emotionally charged. So it deals with my own personal emotions about being a human being, about trying to understand relationships, about trying to understand other humans, about feeling paranoid at times. You know, we live in a world where everybody's sort of just static, the static white noise sometimes, and, and it can be deafening. So all those things contribute towards the dark moments, but you have to rise out of those moments. And I use my art to do that. And I also talk about things that other people are feeling because I'm feeling and I think we're all connected. So we all have relatively the same feelings, even though we think they're so uniquely individual. And through the work, I'm able to connect and say, you're not alone in this feeling. I feel it too. And I'm brave enough to tell you that this is what this means. And now you can be brave and admit that you feel the same way or admit that you've had the same sort of doubt. 
And that's part of the gift for me. It's not just being able to paint. It's also being able to speak about difficult dialogue. And I, and I love doing that because I want us to be more open about how we feel so that we can understand we're together in this whole thing called life. Art is a brilliant connector for that because it takes so much to be vulnerable. I personally, I am the worst at being vulnerable. I am one of those women that is strong all the time. I hold my shit together. I don't really talk when something's wrong. Sometimes I will, like, you know, maybe I'll write about it or something, but I am like a steadfast, hold it together. Being vulnerable about something that I'm hurt about is very hard for me when I'm around other people that are in that space of vulnerability and they're taking the lead, it then makes it easier for me. And art is such a beautiful tool for that because we're all going to interpret it however we're going to interpret it. And you just don't know. For you, it may mean one thing, but I might see it and something else can arise from that. But either way, we're starting a conversation and you've opened up the doors to allowing us to feel what we're going to feel. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. I love hearing that. Yeah. And it is, there's so much pressure on, on you as a woman and me as a woman and, and even men as well. But we've been conditioned to believe that vulnerability in any form is not good and that we must be always strong. And, and I love being a strong woman, but I also want the right to have moments where I cannot manage. And not everybody gets to see that. And we all but deserve I, that too. And we do deserve Men, it because women, everyone. everybody does. And so I think that you're right, you know, to break down those expectations of having to keep it together all the time. I think that puts an unrealistic pressure on us as humans. And what it does is I think it starts to make us very desensitized to our emotions. Mm -hmm. And we cut ourselves off from so much feeling that we lose a sense of our own humanity. And when we lose the sense of our humanity, we struggle to feel empathetic towards others. Because if we can't even feel or allow ourselves to feel for ourselves, how must we then feel or care about another person or another human situation? Yeah. And when you're cutting off one feeling... You're cutting off the other ones too. So if you're Absolutely. numbing the pain, you're also numbing the joy. It, we think that we can isolate these things. We think that we can separate. I'm not going to feel the pain, but I'm going to feel exquisite joy. It doesn't work like that. Feelings no. don't work like that. It's a blanket. And if you're going to put the blanket on, you're going to cover all of it. Exactly. I agree with you 100%. So you've been doing this for four years now. And I want to talk a little bit about how you got into painting and where you are now, because you are a very well-known fine artist. And four years is not a lot of time. And not that anyone should necessarily strive to put a time limit on or anything like that. I just don't know what your journey is. And I think it must be something like when you discover this, you really just it, from the outside, because I've known you for two years now, something like that, mm -hmm. that you open the floodgates. Right. Thank you for saying all those lovely things. I started this journey like, you know, for almost four and a half years ago now, five years ago, it's getting to that point. The journey for me was when I moved here, I wasn't able to work for the first year moving here. Obviously, you can hear I'm not American. So I have to go through the legal process and whatnot. And part of that was only receiving my work permit a year in. And so that's when I decided and I was coming out of a very difficult time for me personally. And I tried to remember, you know, thought streams were simplified. And I sort of said, well, what was the thing that has always made me happy? Because I need some kind of therapy for me. I need to learn about who I am and what it is I'm doing here on this earth. Because at the time, I just felt like I had no idea. And I just was sort of, I felt like I was spiraling. So many things weren't going according to the life plan that I had for myself. So when I started painting, it became very therapeutic. And in the beginning, it was purely for me. And it started getting attention. And that made me feel good that I was able to also reach out to other people. And they were receiving the work in the same way that I was creating it. And then that was like, wow, I'm, I have a message and people are responding to it. So it sort of evolved from there. And I've always been artistic. I've always painted since I was at school and I, I studied fashion design. So I went into a creative career when I was 23. So I've always had that creative inclination. And I think to answer your question, just short and sweet, when you do something that is so authentically honest to your being, that burns a fire inside of you, you can't stop that kind of magic. It's so real that I'm in my most honest state and I've acknowledged and admitted to myself, this is where I'm at my most happy. That happiness and that fire spreads organically and, 
And so it, it makes sense not to say that I'm more skilled than anybody else or anything like that, but I, any artist that delivers the message organically, honestly, that sort of generates a wildfire. People are attracted to the truth. They're attracted to how you make them feel. And the work does that. I don't do that. I create the work, but I'm just a vessel. People respond to the message. They respond to the passion that I have for it because I am ridiculously passionate about it. And I love seeing other people passionate about it. It's just this like core fire thing going, you know, and it's, it spreads. It's infectious. It's yeah. And I, and I think that's what, if you take the human out of it, you're still going to feel all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So I think that's sort of been the contributing factors, the honesty and and doing something that I absolutely am passionate about and nurturing it with as much care and authentic love that I can give it. I try my hardest not to get pulled into the hype. It's difficult for sure because uh, I'm a human being. We all have egos and we all have, but I like to catch myself when I feel like I'm headed that way. And I think that's also very important. And then you just pull back and you go back to the studio and you spend time with what's real, you know? And it's a very personal process for you as well. It's really just you in a room with your paints, the canvas and some brushes. And that is yeah. so intimate. There's something so incredibly intimate about painting or just individual art. And I come from collaborative art. I come from theater. I come from film. You cannot do that alone. You need other people. You absolutely, even if you're doing a one person show, you need someone else to turn the lights on or to run your mic or to let the people into the theater. You need other people. And so I love that your particular medium, it is so intimate. And that is, it's just such a scary thing for someone like me that's so used to everybody else and everyone's putting in and everyone's collaborating. It's a group creation, whereas your art form is just you. It's just your soul. It's conversations with myself. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens in the studio. And the contrast to mural work is similar to what you experienced in theater because there's many people involved in the mural. And of course, you're you're in, you know, you're, like I said, public view. But just to emphasize what you're saying, the studio time and that intimate time and what happens in that space is very sacred to me because it's where I can talk to my, I can really look in the mirror. And it takes a lot of bravery to really be able to look into the mirror and then share that in a yeah. way that other people can see. That takes a lot of bravery, I think, anyway. Well, thanks. <laughs> it is <laughs> such a great response. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just see it as keeping myself in check. Um, yeah, I mean, it's you doing you. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you when you go through things in life and you experience different stages and you have big downfalls and big setbacks and big disappointments, it's very easy to blame shift and say, well, it wasn't my fault. So I've developed a habit of looking at it from where I was wrong. And those are the conversations that I have with myself is I know what I can't control what anybody else does or says or feels, but I can control what I do and say and feel. And so when I look in the mirror, it's talking to myself about how we can do better next time. And those are the conversations that I'm having. And the the questions that I'm answering happen in the studio when when I paint an emotion. You know, one of the girls is feeling a certain way. And that's maybe just me expressing what I've learned in in that situation, you know. Um, And the light and dark thing is something thing I've been going on and on about the last year and a half, two years, because I'm starting to understand my own light and dark. And I'm building very, very um, intimate relationships with both my light and dark. And so I like painting about it because it's a dialogue that we're not having. Everybody wants to think they're so perfect. Not they're so perfect, but I'm a good person. I'm a wonderful person. I'm a, I'm a good person. I do things from, you know, with the best intentions. But darling, you also have a demon in you. And and the more you say you don't, and the more you say that I don't have negative thoughts and I don't feel badly towards X, Y, Z, that to me is not the truth because we're not born perfect as human beings. So I like the idea of talking about our internal chaos, our light and our dark, because it's a conversation that I haven't quite exposed to its fullest yet. And I'll know when I have, because the response will be more people accepting both their good and their bad bits. Yeah. And you have to have the light. You have to have the dark to have the light. Everything is balanced. And I've always said that. I've always felt that you you can't ignore the dark. You need the night to have the day. You need black and white. You need both of these things. It's a balance. It's the yin and yang. And you can't shut down 
the dark because it's just going to creep back up and it's going to come at you in a way that you don't expect. It's going to come at you in a way where it's a lot darker than you ever wanted it to be. And it's going to just stifle that light. And so when we can really just learn to accept all parts of who we are, and some people have bigger demons than others. And that's a lot of times that's where addiction comes from and and all those types of things. And that's maybe because they're feeding more into the darkness than the light, but they still have that light in them. Yes, We all do. And it really is finding the balance between accepting your dark side, nurturing your light side, but it's okay to be judgy sometimes. It's okay sure. to be shitty sometimes. It's sure. okay to feel like shit sometimes. Absolutely. You, it's about getting yourself out of it too. It's, it's about, about getting yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, if you don't understand it, mm-hmm. then you can't get out of it, okay? And the other thing too, is you talk about like some people have uh, bigger demons and you know that leads to addiction and all sorts of things. You know, I bet if we were having more of these conversations and we were more accepting of other people's darkness, we wouldn't place so much judgment on their darkness and they wouldn't feel the need to hide it as much. Yeah. I agree. You know, and then and then they're sort of relying on things. The addiction becomes an escape. Whereas a conversation, an accepting, loving, nurturing environment of that having that conversation could possibly result in them accepting it or them understanding that they're not alone or however it is. I'm just so intrigued by human beings and pretense. And I like talking about it because I'm okay with not being perfect. And I think it's such a liberating feeling to just sort of kind of go, okay, cool. That was a dumb thing to do. Definitely not going to do that again. I'm going to try my damn best not to. And it makes me so much more accepting of when other people make mistakes. You know, I'm not hard on people. I like go, you know what? I've done something similar to that and I forgive you. And it's okay. There's a difference also between I'm dumb and I did something dumb. And totally. I think that's where the the internal dialogue right. is. I made a pact with myself a very long time ago that I'm never going to talk down to myself in my head. No. I'm never going to say no. you're stupid, you're dumb, because that's not the truth. And even no. if, I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't remember the last time my head actually did that to itself or herself right. or whatever, but it does take an active dialogue when yes. you do have something like that coming up and stopping yourself. And I used to stop myself out loud and be like, wait a minute, you're not dumb. You are very smart. You did a dumb right. thing. And that's cool. You did a dumb thing. Exactly. And that's thing. totally Everybody fine. does a dumb thing. Because you're human. Yeah. So that's okay. That's <laughs> We're going to try not to do it again. But um, yeah. And so that's just exactly you've, you've nailed it on the head. It's just that internal dialogue that you have, that we all have. That is a very, very, very real and very powerful thing. And so I, I'm inspired by that, by understanding that. And that's the heart of this podcast, too, is that I want to be talking to people about the darkness. Every, yes. There's so much light out there and everyone wants to talk about their successes and their accolades and their achievements. Right. And I did this and I'm here. Right. OK, cool. What about the dark parts? What about the right. doubts? What about all right. the stuff that you had to go through that you're still going through to be doing what you're doing? Because that's what's real. That's what has gotten you to where you are. It's those moments of having them and working through them and understanding them. And I think that there's so much power in sharing that, especially for people who are just starting out, who are trying to make a transition or just don't believe that they can do this. I am very fortunate that I grew up in New York. I grew up in a family that my dad, he's not from America either. He's from Israel. He came over as an actor on a Broadway show and wound up staying here. My mom was a model. I come from people who were freelance artists, you know, right. they were in this creative field and in an area where everyone from around the world comes to do these creative yep. things. It was never not an option for me. I never thought right. about it as this thing that I couldn't do. I did have some reluctance with acting. That's what I come from, where I just didn't think I was good enough to do it, which now I understand if I had trained more, I would have been, but I would never trade my career behind the camera because I love it. But right. for most other people, they don't have that luxury. They didn't grow up in a place where being an artist was a thing or was okay right. or was acceptable right. by their family. Right. And so there's and, a lot to work through. It is, there is a lot to work through. And I didn't become a painter when I was younger because I was encouraged to rather find a career. So I chose fashion design because it was still creative, but it wasn't that starving artist mentality that people are so, especially old school, you make people believe that you know, you're know you going to be a starving artist and you never know and all this, these miserable things. And that's fine too. But I find it very interesting that you feel the way you do about exposing the dark side of the success story. Uh, and I love that so much because 
you wanting to ask the question like, what were the lows? Tell me about the lows because the lows contributed more so than the highs. It's easy to be on a high. Can you hear these birds? I in love the back? those birds. I was just thinking oh, okay. that I Is love it- them. <laughs> They're having a little get together. And I said this in my talk, uh, my chaos talk. I said my entire art career was birthed from chaos. It was birthed from something tragic. It was my lowest low. And that was the seed for my highs. And you have a choice as a human being. You can live inside the low and not use it to grow something or to grow out of. Or you can take the lowest low and say, well, you know, I can't get any lower than this. So the next direction is up. And how am I going to go up? Let's look at switching this shit around. Because I think there's always two options. You can decide to be miserable. You can decide to be happy. I love being miserable. Don't get me wrong. I love those moments where I'm like, oh, I'm so miserable. I'm so, because I, I'm experiencing a feeling and I don't deny myself any of my emotions. But I also know that something from tragedy, I uh, I'm so okay with experiencing sadness and disappointment. It never gets easy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not thinking that it's wonderful, but I know that what it can birth can be magical. If I let it be, I have, remember I'm the one with the mind and I have to believe that this tragedy can birth something magical. And so I become the vessel for it. There's so many lows that happen and, and I believe life just happens in a cycle. So you, this is quite morbid and I hope you don't mind me sharing this, but you go from being super happy and everything's wonderful, right? In your life. And you're just so excited. Everything's magical. And then you experience the fall, the destruction. So what that means to me is whenever I get like overly happy and I think everything's perfect, I'm kind of like looking out in the horizon going, okay, <laughs> Where are you? Bad experience, you know, because I've experienced that cycle throughout my life. So you go from bliss to destruction. But the best thing about destruction is that it's it's followed by rebirth. So even when the bad thing happens and you go, okay, here it is. Nice. Awesome. This sucks. I'm so sad. You got to just get through it. Get through that storm because at the end of it, there's going to be clear skies and you are on your way to having learned so much. You learn so much more in that period of destruction about yourself than you learn when you're in a period of bliss. So as nice as bliss is, and you much rather want to live in bliss, there's not a lot of learning that can really happen in comparison to what you can learn and push through and uncover and face those challenges inside of destruction. And that learning allows you to transform. So for me, that cycle, it goes bliss, destruction, rebirth, bliss, destruction, rebirth. And I'm so prepared for each phase now. And I think maybe I'm too young to be so prepared, but I've got a good relationship with it. And like I said, it never gets easier when a bad thing happens. And when you lose a, a person in your life, you know, or friendships sort of fade away or someone betrays you or lies to you or you, you hurt or there's so many things in life that we can't control. But you have to try and just understand that you're going to learn something from that. There's and it will make you... acceptance. Yeah, sweet acceptance. And so I don't know what's what skills you need to develop in order to go through those destructive periods gracefully. Well, I think it's understanding. I think it's everything you just spoke about. It's understanding this sucks right now and Mm -hmm. not to brush over it because I've had that experience where things were really, really low and I just brushed over it and I went on being fine. And that goes back to the vulnerability. And a few people around me knew what was going on, but on the outside, I just kind of plowed through. I kept going, kept going, and it just kept creeping up on me because that's how life is. You need to sit in the dark, face it and sit amongst your rubble and give yourself a moment to mourn whatever it is that's being lost or broken or torn apart. Give yourself that moment and then start to tinker around in the dirt and and see what's there. And that I think is how you can do it gracefully because I've also experienced people and friends that have just sat in that for so long and you get to a right. point where you're like, I love you, but I cannot and will not help you anymore because you're not helping yourself. You're choosing Absolutely. to stay here and that's yep. not going to do anything. It's been far and too long. Exactly. And that's where I said, you can decide to stay there or you can decide to move on. And we all have the same choice. I know that when I got here, I, I was in that space for almost three months, that very like depressed 
state, you know, I felt like a complete failure. My my personal life was completely turned upside down and all kinds of things that we all experience at one time or another. And I was so like, oh, woe is me, you know. Well, guess what? People experience things a hundred times worse than what you're experiencing right now. Snap out of it. Get over it, for goodness sake. And I have a very strong family and I know that they're intolerant None of us are are tolerant of making excuses. We never, we've been raised not to make excuses for ourselves, and that's something very valuable. And so, yes, you can decide to sit in it, and you, you know, you can sit in it for as long as you want. But in sitting in it, you're going to turn people away from you. You're going to lose support, and not only that, you're going to lose self-respect. The minute you turn it around, you can learn to love yourself again. And then your life takes a different direction. Well, that's you know? what it is. It's loving yourself enough right. to pick yourself up because no one right. else is going to pick you up. People nope. will get over you. They yeah, will and be done with people you. People are busy point. with their own shit. You know, they've got their yeah. own problems and, you know, enough's enough. <laughs> yeah. You know, your friends are going to be there. Your family are going to be there. But at some point, everyone's like, all right, we're yeah. done. We can't. Yes. You yeah. got to help Absolutely. yourself at this point. Yeah. Do you feel like when you came here, you were running away from something? No, I don't think I was running away. And I, I know I wasn't running away. I made the decision to come here and it was a very difficult decision for a lot of reasons, but I was, I'd made the decision. And I think that I didn't know myself before. It was weird. So weird. Everything I thought I knew wasn't what it was. I wasn't, I'm such a different person now, I think by not coming here, I would have been running away from myself. If that makes sense. Oh, by not taking the does. leap. Yeah. Yeah. I so, avoided coming to LA for a very long time. And yes. Now that I'm I here, remember I'm like, when oh, you were like, yeah. I'm trying to like, maybe, yeah, kind of, I think we're leaving. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And finally getting here, I'm like, oh, why was I avoiding this for so long? You know? Right. And it's, I don't know that it was a self-destructive thing and I wouldn't change any part of my path. I mean, I loved living in New Zealand and being, if I didn't go back to St. Pete, I would have never met you. So I, I, don't, know. I, so I don't regret <laughs> anything because it was a really great time. But finally landing here and being where I can do my job and I'm involved with Second City. So I'm doing improv and things like that. I'm like, oh God, why did I avoid these parts of myself for so long? Why did I try yeah. to make it work in a place that I didn't yeah. even want to be for so yeah. long? You know, and maybe it was the fear of success. I don't know. Or maybe it was just dragging my feet because I'm so unconventional that I don't like to do what everyone expects you to do. Or it's like, yep. oh, you work in film? You're going to live in LA. No. Yes. You're like, <laughs> no, I'm going to go and live on the moon, actually. I'm going to go and do um, this thing and whatever. And I'll make it work and it's fine. So it's that rebellious streak. But you also said something now that was quite interesting. And I think I, I might, it might have slipped my mind. Ah, let me find it. That's it. You can avoid your path for as long as you want, right? But you will always have this little bit of restlessness inside of you that you cannot ignore. And I think you experienced that. And that's what you're explaining because there's this quote, and I don't know it off by heart, but it's something like, if you're not on the right path, the universe will find a thousand ways to show you. So things just go bad. Things aren't, nothing satisfies you because you know there's something that you're not doing. And that thing that you're not doing is probably a scary thing. And you're meant to do it because it's going to offer you so many answers and it's going to offer you so many opportunities. But you afraid to do it because it feels so unfamiliar and you're scared and it's much nicer being in a safe comfort zone. Nobody likes to venture out of their comfort zone. It's nice and cushy here, but eventually that gets a little stale and you you stop learning. And then that's where that restlessness comes from. It's like, oh, I'm not satisfied because I, I really have all the answers here. That's how you felt for, I think, for a while. And then eventually you just put the bullet and you're like, you know what? I'm going to LA. I'm going to do the damn thing. And I think you've experienced so much there now. And that you could probably feel like you're evolving. And it's such a great feeling. And I think I've, I know I felt the same way when I made my big move. And, and it's just doing the thing you're afraid to do and knuckling down and doing it anyway, because it's never going to leave you alone. It's always going to be itching you yeah. until you have the courage to do it. Yeah, and then you're true. like, why didn't I do it or sooner? Yeah. And, you know, and for me, it was never courage or anything. I mean, I'm like you, I moved around the world and it's fine. Yeah. You know, I can move anywhere and it's nothing. But I think it was knowing that when I moved here, I would have no reason to leave. And I think that, wow. yeah, because I knew, I knew coming here again, maybe that's just the resistance or whatever it was, but I knew coming here that I would have everything I wanted. 
And right. so I would have no more reason to move around or be this person that was a gypsy or a wanderlust or anything like that. So maybe there was an aspect of that, of not wanting to settle down or conform right. or any of those right. things. But I knew that once I landed here, I'm never going to move. I have, I mean, I love to travel, but right now, if I didn't travel for the next three years, I would be totally fine. I have zero wow. problem not leaving LA right now. But that's also a phase in your life that's necessary for you. Yeah. Because you've been this, this traveler, because you've been this wanderlust like adventurer, this is probably something that needs to happen for you as a human to feel that stability maybe that you've not allowed yourself before. Yeah. And that's part of your growth because in three years time, you know, something's going to happen. There's always something leading to something else. Yeah. And we can never predict. I mean, it would be wonderful, wouldn't it? I know what I'm going right. to do in five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. Ball. Out. And That'd the more boring. time, I know, I'm so boring. The more times you say no, the less opportunity you have to find out something new about yourself, yeah. a new opportunity. Just from painting that for that year in a studio in Ybor City by myself. I knew nobody. I had zero friends. I had my two brothers, my mom and my dad, and I knew nobody else. I was 30 years old. It was terrifying. And I just was like, all right. And I just started somewhere. And just from that, like opportunities just came at me because I was being honest with myself, doing what I've always wanted to do, but I've always been afraid to do. I never thought that I would be an artist. I never thought that I would make a career out of painting. It was foreign to me because it's not what I was conditioned to believe. I was conditioned to believe that I needed a degree and I needed to go work in an office and I needed to clock in and clock out. And that's how successful humans live. Well, bugger that. I know that it's not that way. You can create your own pathway. And there's, we live in a world that is just allows you so much freedom. And if you're just brave enough to take it, Yeah, I totally agree. There's no more, especially after, and you weren't here yet. If you you got here four years ago. Yeah. About five years ago. Yeah. So you weren't here during 2008 and the recession and all those things. No, 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 no. Everything changed then. When I graduated college and started working, there was still that security of you grow up, you go to college, you get a job, you get married, you have a baby, blah, blah, blah. You're taken care of all these things. You get into debt. That was wonderful. Yeah. Which I was never down for anyway, thank God, because I have zero debt because I've just never been down for that type of stuff. So that's great. And after that happened, that bubble was totally burst for everybody. There was no more, this is the secure way to do it. And people had to find their own way, which now where we are today, especially with the internet and accessibility, we live in a world where creatives especially truly can do what they want to do Mm -hmm. and make it work. And there's something beautiful that Elizabeth Gilbert, she's a writer, she said, I think it was her, I'm 99% sure that it was her. And I'm going to botch the quote, but it makes me think of you and where you are because you're working full time and you have your art as well. And Mm -hmm. she said in conversation with her writing that I will always take care of I will never expect you to take care of me. Yes. I will always oh do what God, I need to do to take to care cry. of you. That is the most beautiful. Like literally, I feel like crying because it's such a struggle for me to maintain both lives. But it's a choice that I made to honor the work. Like she says, I will take and I and I just it's like the one thing I've, I've never heard that before, but I've never had I've never known how to explain it. Because it's not that I'm afraid of doing this full time at all. I know that I, I know that I can definitely be comfortable and survive off of the work. I just don't want to put that kind of pressure on it yeah. because I never want it to lose the message. And I don't, money ruins everything, right? And that's what I believe. And I don't ever want to attach that dependency on something that um, it's something I care about. It's like asking your child. You don't want to, I don't have children, so I'm assuming this is how it would feel. But now, you know, as, as a parent, asking your child to take care of you, it must be very difficult. So it's the same way that I feel about committing to an, an art career full time. It might happen in the future, but it's going to happen under my terms. And in the meantime, I'm allowing the work to grow very naturally as it should, instead of putting financial pressure on it. And there's something Um, very empowering about taking on that stance as well. Instead of, again, putting that pressure on your art and putting the expectation on your art, money does ruin things and you will make money off of it. And that's great and wonderful. But there is a certain beauty that comes from relieving 
your art from that pressure and relieving yourself from that pressure. And I think a lot of creatives think that unless their art is paying the bills, that they're not really an artist or they're not a creative or that they have to have their art paying the bills. And that's just not the case. And it's not, it's so much smarter and you can have such greater success finding something else to pay your bills and continuing with your art. And you can make money off of your art and that use that money to make more art or to invest and to give yourself a better future. But that doesn't mean that you have to give up the other thing. That thing can fuel so much more of your creativity than just focusing on your creative art as your job, as your money. Absolutely. And and I've always said, you know, I've, I've been asked this question a couple of times and there are sacrifices on both ends. As a person like me who works and also has a very busy art career, I sacrifice time for the ability or my right to honor the work in its purest form. Whereas other artists will sacrifice their full time. They're going to sacrifice stability, right? So you either on whatever spectrum you fall on, you can choose to say, you know what, I'm going to go for this and I'm going to have the work. I'm going to be a full time artist and I'm going to have my work pay the bills. You're going to go through your darkness because being under financial stress is another beast. Mm-hmm. And I know for my own self that I don't enjoy that feeling. Um, I like to be stable and I like to be in a pure state financially, I don't want to put that kind of pressure on the work. And I don't know if I'm equipped yet to put myself through that. Some people are okay with that. I like my life to go a certain way. And I'm not in my early twenties anymore where it didn't matter. You know, I'd like sleep on a friend's couch and stuff like that. It's not that way anymore. So maybe it's got to do with my age and how I've matured as well. But at the end of the day, when you have to live this double life, you will also face your own pressures of finding the time to put into the work and while balancing the demands of a corporate job. I mean, I'm very fortunate. My job allows me to work remotely. and But you also can find and design that for yourself. The position that I have wasn't a remote position. I made it a remote position. I fought for it to be a remote position. And I was supported because I had proven that it was worth me having this position and that I could make both worlds work. So it's, it's again, it's that commitment and determination to design the life that you want and follow through despite everything, like stay focused. My brother, just whenever I'm going through something, I've talked to my youngest brother a lot and he'll just say, just put your blinders on, sis, focus, focus, you know, like (laughs) just get in the zone, put your blinders on and don't worry about anything else. And I, you know, and I love that. And so by putting my blinders on, I'm able to juggle both worlds, sometimes very well, sometimes not so well, but I'm still focused on achieving that. So it's a personal thing as well as a creative person. You can decide how you want to live according to whether you want to have the work pay your bills or not. And I do what works for you. It's it's always about finding what works for you. And And it's very personal. Yeah, it is very personal. And allowing yourself the space to try it out, allowing yourself to be the person that's doing it and flying by the seam of your pants and not making any money and eating ramen noodles or whatever. And also allowing yourself to be the person that works full time, that struggles with energy, that needs to find the time. It's really just what is the better sacrifice for you and for your life? Because like you said, no matter what, you're going to sacrifice something. So what is the better sacrifice for you in where you're at right now? Be okay with it. Don't worry about being judged. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. Just do you. You have to do what's right Figure out what works for you and then commit yourself to that. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time people will say, I just don't have the time to paint anymore. And I kind of go, hmm. You do. Yeah. You just don't make the time. You kind of do, but maybe you just don't want it badly enough. Yeah. Always boiled down to that. Like how bad do you want it? You can always find the time or the money. It's how resourceful you want to be and how badly you want something. That's the truth. Looking like true gypsy. Yeah. (laughs) But it's the truth. I mean, if you really want something, you will find a way to do it no matter what obstacles are in your way. It literally does not matter you will find a way to do it and you won't even realize that that's what you're doing. It's just what organically happens because you want it bad enough. Sometimes you have to work hard enough to get to the point where you're trying that and sometimes it's going to happen organically. But when you want something bad enough, that's why they say where there's a will, there's a way because there is. They're truly yeah, nothing is. will stop you when you want something bad enough. There's nothing that will stand in your way. It's just what you're willing to do to get there. And sometimes you might have to take a crappy job and sometimes you have to live on a friend's couch. Whatever that looks like for you, you're going to find a way to do it. That's just the human condition, I guess, or the drive or whatever it is. 
Right. Before we wrap up, I want to ask you about your wheel of what the fuck. Oh, my wheel of what the fuck. It's something that I um, put together for my chaos talk and I absolutely love it. I'm probably going to be doing some writing about it. I'm, I'm kind of excited. I want to write. I've got a little preliminary goal in mind for next year to write a book. And the wheel of what the fuck has inspired that because it's actually generated quite a lot of interest. And I think it's helping people understand the emotional cycle. So the wheel of what the fuck to me is earlier on, I spoke about bliss, destruction, rebirth. So the wheel of what the fuck is just um, taking that a little bit further. And really, it again, is the cycle of emotions through an experience, any kind of experience, a life experience. So first of all, you have this the first stage, which is the muse, chaos, the muse. OK, and it's uh, you are very excited at this point and it's Christmas and it's wonderful. And you're a child in a childlike state. I relate this to when I looked at that wall at the Rialto Theater and it was going to be my first mural. And I was so excited and I had no idea what I was getting into, but I was excited. So that's the muse. And it's very innocent and it's very playful. Then you get to the job and you kind of go, what the fuck? And that's when those little agents of chaos tell you that you're not, you're ill-equipped. You can't do this. What have you got yourself into? This is the most ridiculous situation ever. That's stage two. Stage three is defying and silencing the agents by armoring up, going, well, I'm in this situation. I'm going to have to figure out a way to get through it because I can't turn back. I'm here now. i got to like I said, you either go backwards or you can sit inside your depression. So you go, so I go forwards. That's stage three where you armor up um, and you silence the demons. And then stage four is the labor. And I call it chaos, the tyrant, because it's like chaos has got this whip and she just goes, whoosh, get to work, it's time to work. And that's where you just go for it. You just bash out a 90 foot wall mural or you move to Vegas uh, or to Los Angeles where you are now, or you, whatever it is, you just get to it. You do the work. And that to me is the process. The creative process is during that phase. It's phase four. And then after you've done all the work and you get to stand back and look at what you've made, despite the challenges, despite the self-doubt, despite the agents of chaos, you exhale and you go, I did it. Cannot believe I did it. Don't know how I did it, but I did it. And that's chaos. The ally becomes, that's the moment where you learn to trust yourself and you go, I did it and I can do it again. That's where you're and, at right now. Yeah. And I eat breath. <laughs> yes. I've just exhaled. And it's so funny because Juliana was with me when I finished the mural and I just cry. <laughs> you exhale and you just, all these emotions, you get to release them. And it's one of the most beautiful parts of my process is when you can stand back and look what you, look what you, look at what you've done. And that's the fifth phase of the cycle of emotion. And it's also the rebirth. It's the transformation. It's the reflection. It's where you can look back and look at yourself because you've changed. And I like to always ask myself, who am I now after that phase is complete? And you grow. And then you go through it all again. Oh, it's something exciting. Oh, you can't do it. Oh, we're going to do it. Okay, let's work. Okay, now we're, we've done it. So it's just, it's that cycle of the process for me and all the things you experience and just any kind of undertaking. So good. And it really can be applied to everything. Anything. Any, any project. Absolutely. Yeah. It's wonderful. So I'm excited to elaborate on that in the future. We wrap things up here by giving people a creative challenge of some sort. Ooh, and then they can yay. share it using the hashtag, the unplugged creative. So what would you like to challenge people to do and to share amongst each other? Oh, hmm. How about, what do you think? What is challenging? I think telling what, maybe sharing something really kind of dark about yourself. I like, like that. Yeah. Like, what is it that you actually think sometimes? Just really being honest with yourself. I think being honest with yourself is super challenging. So maybe like, I feel like this, or, you know, I'm actually, this is an emotion that's running through me a lot lately. Maybe you just want to talk about something really dark that's happening to you and open up that dialogue. Cause I'm pretty sure there's going to be a hundred people that are going to be like, Oh my God, I feel the same way. Wow. I'm not alone. So maybe just sharing something that you don't want to share. That's dark that we can relate to. That is beautiful. I love that challenge. That one is a really, really juicy one. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for doing this. I love you. I adore you. I cannot wait to make enough money to have one of your 
massive pieces on my wall. One of my own financial success goals is to make enough where I can just drop money like that and not even think twice and have a piece of you in my home. So like, um, I need some of this work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's that's one of my own Thank financial you, goals. It's a huge compliment. I appreciate it. I'm so proud of you, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. You're so lovely. Oh, you're so lovely. I'm so happy that you did this. Thank you so much. I'm so proud of you. I love watching your work. I love watching you grow and everything that you're doing. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, darling. Thank you so much for listening. Head on over to theunpluggedcreative.com to check out the show notes and link up with each week's creative. If you're digging this show, I would totally love it if you left me a five-star review on iTunes. That's going to help people learn about this show and probably help other creatives say yes to doing it who don't actually know me yet. Special thanks to James Granger for his original music. I'll be back in your feed in two weeks. Until then, keep on that creative path of yours. You never know where it might lead. Hold up. 